Welcome to the Hawkeye Talk with Jimmy Hawk podcast. This is season two, episode 14, and I wanted to touch a little bit more on, on Iowa, Iowa State, with that game just happening last weekend, as well as looking ahead to Kent State. But first, a little more Hawkeye State talk. It's kind of bewildering to me why the Cyclones passed on this opportunity to promote the Iowa State brand and school colors on college game day, as well as on an ABC game at 3.30 in the afternoon. That that plain white helmet was on the screen off and on for three hours during college game day next to the beautiful black and gold Hawkeye helmet. It really seemed like a missed opportunity. And who knows what their school colors are anymore? Almost all big games, they wear some form of black uniform. And they just seem to not be comfortable or confident in the school colors. I don't know what that means. It just just really seemed like a missed opportunity to me. But, hey, it's six in a row for the Hawkeyes in that rivalry. And, and Kirk had mentioned prior to the game how they're always hard-fought games, always really close. But I remember some real blowouts on the Hawkeye side. And I went back to review some of those, look back on the history of the Cyhawks since Kirk Ferentz has been head coach at Iowa. We all know Hayden Fry had the 15 wins in a row against the Cyclones before losing to them in his last season as head coach at Iowa. And there were the rough first four years for Kirk Ferentz with two not-so-good teams in 1999 and 2000. But the Hawkeyes were on an upward trajectory in 2001, but lost by three. That was the game that was played at the end of the season because of 9-11. And then in 2002, the Hawkeyes lost by five after being up 24-7 to at halftime. Now, the Hawkeyes turned the ball over in the second half. There were some big plays by Cyclone quarterback Seneca Wallace. And the Hawkeyes lost 36-31. to They only scored one touchdown in that second half. And that was the only loss for the Hawkeyes that whole season until the Orange Bowl game against Carson Palmer in USC. Well, Kirk Ferentz got his first win in the series in Ames 40-21 to in 2003. I remember that game well. Uh, it's the last game that I've actually been to in Ames. But it was a huge game for special teams with block kicks when the Hawkeyes rolled. I was there with my brother, and, and he reminded me of Cyclone fans telling us it was just two really bad teams playing that day. But the Hawkeyes ended that season in the top 10 in the nation. And the Cyclones really did struggle that year. I believe they only had two wins. Well, including this game, Captain Kirk won six of eight games after losing his first four. So this six, six of eight streak was a pretty good one. They did have a 23-3 to loss. That was when Drew Tate was injured. The Hawkeyes had several turnovers in that game. Just a sloppy, rough game with Drew Tate out. And then the Cyclones pulled out a 15-13 to game in 2007. Um, you know, big wins for the Hawkeyes in 2009 and 2010, winning 35-3 and 35-7. They just overpowered those Cyclone teams, just ran the ball right down their throat. And then in, in a couple of not-so-great seasons, 2011 and especially 2012, I think the Hawkeyes only won four games that year. Iowa lost in triple overtime in 2011, and then by three points, and really just a no-offense game, 9-6 to loss in Iowa City in 2012. But Iowa bounced back in 2013 with a win in Ames before losing by three in Iowa City. And that was the game, if I'm remembering correctly, where Kirk Ferentz called a timeout as the kicker was getting ready to kick. Uh, a game-winning potential field goal. It was a tie game. And Kirk Ferentz called timeout to ice him, and the kicker missed it. But... Since Kirk had called timeout, he got to kick it again, and this time he made it. 
uh, frustrating. That's just a frustrating way to lose a game, and I, I never want to see a coach do that again where they, they try to ice the kicker but also let them kick it and see what the result was. Well, 2015, the Hawkeyes won 31-17, then a 42-3 win uh, in 2016. That was Matt Campbell's first year, I believe. And you know, then, then some really close games that the Hawkeyes pulled out, uh, and then defensive domination this past Saturday in a 27-17 win. So there have been some blowouts by the Hawkeyes, some large margins of victory, but the Cyclones typically... Their wins have been pretty darn close. Uh, the Hawkeyes have had a lot of close wins as well. And then here and there have had some big, big high-scoring games. Well, you know, it's impressive what Kirk Ferris has done after losing the first four and then going, winning 13 out of 18, winning 10 out of the last 13, six in a row, five in a row in Ames, six of the last seven in Ames with the one loss being that triple overtime game. And Iowa State is going to lose 18 starters after this season. So it looks like this winning streak should continue for quite some time. And you wonder if the Cyclone fans will start to get restless as they did with Dan McCarney. Uh, He's the winningest. Well, he's also the losingest, if that's even a word. He has the most losses as a head coach in Iowa State history, but the most wins as well. But, you know, he had four really rough years to get things going when he was hired as the Cyclones coach. And then they had the 2000 squad that was 9-3, and three, had a couple of 7-win seasons, and then they had that rough 2-10 and 10 year, but had two more 7-win seasons, really good seasons for the Cyclones. And then there was the, and they were also 500 in the league in those seasons, so I mean, pretty good ball clubs. But then he had a 4-8 and eight year in 2006, and that was his last season with the Cyclones. He was out. But boy, it's been rough going after that. You look at two rough years with Gene Chizik and then Paul Rhodes. They tried that experiment for seven years. You know, got to a couple of of bowl games there with him, but just could not seem to to ever put a really good product out on the field. And then Matt Campbell did a quick job of getting the Cyclones going. You know, he was three and nine in season one, but then two eight win seasons before going seven and six in 2019. And then last year's nine and three record. And, and, you know, kind of an unusual COVID year, but but they had a pretty good squad last year. And but 18 starters out after this year. I'll be surprised if Matt Campbell doesn't leave, try to go somewhere else. You know, that's a lot of guys to be to be losing 18 starters. And this could be one of those, you know, three or four win years next year for the Cyclones. Well, Cyhawk Week is always fun. Um, but I'm okay if they move it to every other year um, or something like that so that the Hawkeyes have a chance to play some Pac-12 or ACC teams in the future with that alliance. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I was just thinking, I mean, there's only a couple of Pac-12 schools that don't get me too excited, you know, probably Oregon State, Washington State. And then in the ACC, you know, there's Florida State would be a lot of fun. I mean, North Carolina, Clemson, of course, Pitt. Um Virginia, there, there's a lot of fun, fun teams that would be interesting to play, teams that I don't recall the Hawkeyes ever playing. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the future. Well, enough about Iowa-Iowa State. That game is in the rearview mirror, and the Hawkeyes are now focused on the Kent State Golden Flashes, who will be in Kinnick Stadium on Saturday afternoon. They've only met two other times, and Iowa is 2-0 in the series. One of the 
Uh, big alums from Kent State is Julian Edelman, the great New England Super Bowl winning wide receiver. He was a quarterback at Kent State. And then Alabama's coach, Nick Saban, also graduated from there. Well, the main thing we need to know about this Kent State football team is they have a potent offense. Last year, they led the nation in points per game at 49.8, so just under 50 points per game. They run a hurry-up offense. They snap the ball as quickly as possible after a play has ended. They sprint to the line of scrimmage and get ready to go. So it's going to be difficult to sub when Kent State has the ball. On offense, they like to run inside zone handoffs, quarterback draws. Uh, in the passing game, it's screen passes, quick slants, just kind of a, a really dynamic, fast-paced offense. And Iowa's going to face another 3-3-5 defense this weekend, similar to what Iowa State runs. And you have to really watch this defense, especially those cornerbacks. This team has eight interceptions in two games. They lead the nation with four interceptions per game. Again, really good cornerbacks. The weakness seems to be defending the run, and that bodes well if Iowa can get Tyler Goodson and Ivory Kelly Martin going on Saturday. Everybody's waiting for Key Good to bust out. He had the big 54-yard TD run against Indiana, but has mostly been held in check so far. A lot of that has to do with this young offensive line that the Hawkeyes are breaking in. Well, Dustin Crum is the quarterback for Kent State. He didn't do much against Texas A&M, just 89 yards passing, 12 of 26, two interceptions. He did have 60 yards on the ground, so the Hawkeyes are going to have to contain the quarterback this week with a dual threat behind center. And this game was really closer than the final score of 41 to 10 indicates. It was just 10 to 3 at halftime. And Kent State had 226 yards rushing against AM. Now they also gave up 300 yards rushing. So, you know, based on that, I think they had two guys that were over, AM did, that were over uh, 100 yards rushing in the game. So we really should be able to get, you know, the Hawkeyes should be able to get Key Good and IKM going in this one. And it's going to be huge for the Hawks that Kyler shot. Shooter is going to get some minutes this week, start getting him back in the fold. He's one of the top offensive linemen on this team. And if you recall, he hurt his foot jumping off a hay bale, and he hasn't played yet this season. Well, A&M had 595 yards of offense, so look for the Hawkeyes to get some big plays on Saturday. Well, Kent State's other opponent is VMI, Virginia Military Institute. Crum was a lot more effective passing. He was 12 of 17, 180 yards, one TD, no interceptions. VMI is an FCS school, so the competition level is quite a bit different than playing an SEC school. Crum also had 70 yards rushing as part of a 494-yard rushing effort against VMI. And you heard that right, 494 yards rushing plus 204 yards passing for a total yardage, 698. That is some offense right there. They can really move the ball. I don't know how good VMI is, but the Golden Flashes averaged 8.6 yards per play. Really gaudy statistics for any offense. And, and the Hawkeyes are going to have to be ready to face a really high-powered offense on Saturday. It's going to be interesting to see how they do running the ball against a really good Iowa defense. Well, it's the, high, it's the Hawkeyes' offense that is going to need to get into rhythm, keep the ball away from Kent State's offense, and put points on the board. You know, there's another note here. Kent State had six penalties in week one. They had nine in week two. So they don't seem to be very disciplined in that regard. Um, but what will the score be on Saturday? I think T. Good's going to put up 125 yards rushing, another 50 yards from IKM before getting some handoffs to the other backs. And I'm really 
hoping to get Tyrone Tracy Jr. going as well. And we're going to see the receivers hang on to the football in this game. There have been just way too many drops in the first couple of weeks of this season. But I'm picking the Hawkeyes to win this one, 45-21. The Golden Flashes get a TD late, but the Hawkeyes go another game without an opponent scoring over 24 points. What has it been, 23 games in a row now, I believe? And Iowa puts up well over 200 yards rushing. Spencer Petrus has an efficient game behind center, completes some big plays downfield that we haven't, haven't really seen much of yet this year other than the big touchdown last week. Well, I can't wait to see what happens on Saturday when the fifth-ranked Iowa Hawkeyes take on the Kent State Golden Flashes. Kinnick Stadium, 2.30 Central Standard Time. Let's get another win, Hawkeyes, and get some good work in for that offensive line with those young guys rotating in there. Well, so long for now, and go Hawks! Thank you.